The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to the Utah Symphony, Utah Opera's Ghostlight Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look at the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. Kevin puts in Mark Campbell's Pulitzer Prize-winning opera, Silent Night, tells the story of one group of opposing soldiers as they experience the famous Christmas truce of 1914 along the Western Front of World War I. Our guest today is Israeli-born director Tomar Zulin, general and artistic director of Atlanta Opera. He's remounting his critically acclaimed production for the Utah Opera this month. Tomer, welcome. Glad to be here. Tomer, Silent Night premiered in 2011 at the Minnesota Opera, and it quickly became one of the most popular and well-received operas of the 21st century. What was your first experience with this piece, and how did you know that you wanted to create an entirely new retelling? So back in 2013, I got a wonderful phone call from the artistic director of the Wexford Festival, David Agler, uh, who asked me to direct the European premiere of Silent Night in their 2014 festival season. And they programmed it, the Wexford Opera programmed it, to commemorate the start of World War I. So I haven't seen the Minnesota Opera uh, world premiere, and so I got acquainted with the opera through reading the libretto, reading the score, and listening to the recording that I had. And as soon as I dug into it, I really felt that it was my destiny to do this opera because of my background, uh, and also because this libretto uniquely captures the dichotomy of love and war. And it creates a world that is both specific and universal at the same time. And it captures the humanity of the characters and the comforts that friendship and music bring to the bloodiest and most inexplicable of all human experiences, war. I'm glad you mentioned your own experience because I wonder what your personal history with war has taught you about what an audience should take away from this piece. You know, I spent three years as a medic uh, in a combat unit in the Israeli Defense Force. And this opera deals with one universal truth that I personally knew from my own experience, and that is the deepest emotion that one feels in battle is not the fear of losing your own life. It's the fear of not seeing the people that you love again. Whether it's your mother, your girlfriend, your best friend, that is something universal, whether you're in Israel in the 90s or you're in World War II or you're a French soldier in World War I doesn't matter where you are or when you are. And I believe that that's a very strong truth. Now, we live in very divisive times. If you just look around at the world right now, at all the leaders of the world and see what they're telling us, it's basically the same thing. They're focusing on everything that divides us instead of what is that unites us. Silent Night shows us the opposite of what we are told. It shows us that people on the other side are just as human as we are. That they have mothers, that they have children that they love, that they have people that are important to them in their lives and that their greatest fear is not to see them again. And that's the point of what makes us all human and that's why Silent Night has the success that it has. The centerpiece of this opera in a way is the moment when everyone combines in the no man's land and they start sharing the vignettes of their life. And that's one of the things, maybe, if you're not familiar with the Christmas Eve truce, what happened is everyone stopped on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and stopped firing. And in this particular vignette, they just unite in the area where the combat is taking place and discover that each other are all real humans with real stories. 
And that's an amazing moment. And then they play soccer. And then they play right? soccer, right? There's a very famous yeah. photo of that, isn't there? Yeah. Are there challenges and rewards specific to contemporary opera? You've presented a lot in Atlanta and done a lot of your own projects. Access to the composer and the librettist seems really obvious. But um, what else makes doing living music unique and special for a director? It's amazing to be able to pick up the phone and call Kevin Putz or Jake Hagee or Bill Bolcom. I can't count the times that I wish I could email Giacomo or Wolfgang and, and say, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you probably would have if you could have. Absolutely. <laughs> but there's also challenges and great stress on performers and creators, directors, conductors, when the people that actually wrote it are standing in rehearsal and then sitting in the audience for opening night, we hope to do the best service we can to the piece that they wrote. And uh, it's a great responsibility, but it's an amazing privilege to have them in the audience. And in this particular case, this duo of Mark Campbell and Kevin Putz are incredible people that are very theatrically savvy. And so they had some uh, notes and recommendations that we took into account. And I believe that it just got better as uh, we did it again and again. This is the sixth time we're doing it since 2014. And, this uh, particular production. This particular production. And uh, they've had some ideas and thoughts that we incorporated that only made it better. I want to talk to you about Kevin's music specifically, so I'll ask you to take off your director hat and put on your opera ambassador hat here. And Because Kevin's musical language is very eclectic. There's a lot of very tonal music in it, a lot of sort of accessible and comfortable music in it. It's also full of modern idioms, too. It's a real mix of both sort of then and now. So I wonder what you would say as an ambassador for opera to some more traditionally oriented opera goers. What, why should they come to see this piece and 21st century music in general? You know, uh, Silent Night is the most performed American opera in the 21st century along with Dead Men Walking. And I find it very difficult to separate modern opera from traditional opera, really, because, you know, I'm obsessed with Salome right now. I'm in process of doing a new production of it. And Strauss wrote it in 1905. Yeah, more than it 100 years ago. 115 years yeah. ago. It's so modern and crazy and uh, bizarre. And if you compare it to Puccini's Turandot that was written 20 years later, uh, what sounds more modern to you? Right. So I think the power of Silent Night is the fact that it tells a familiar story through a medium that is the most powerful medium that exists, opera. Now, this is a story, as Carol said, that we're very familiar with. It's the Christmas true story. We saw it in the movie that won the Oscar. We saw the commercial. I mean, who doesn't know this story? Now, I'm an arts omnivore. I love stories. I go to museums. I see TV. I watch movies. Opera has something that they don't have. It's music and the human voice. And it adds a different layer that reveals truths that we don't see otherwise. And that's what Silent Night does. Now, to quote another famous film that reminds me of the story of Silent Night and what is it that unites us rather than divides us is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. It's a story about encounters between human beings and aliens. What is more foreign to us than aliens? But what is it that unites the humans and the aliens? It's music. Right. And that's what unites those enemies in World War I. And the opera from all other mediums is able to capture it in the most powerful way. Uh, you know, this story 
is sort of time stamped and we're we're outside of the window now the window of the world war one commemorative years was 2014 to 2018 if you're in some european countries they consider 2019 as part of the conflict as well but do you think this piece is going to have a long life outside of this sort of 100 year anniversary window I really hope so. You know, for me, it was very, very moving to do it in 2014 as a premiere of this production in Ireland. Specifically designed to commemorate. Specifically designed yeah. to commemorate the beginning of the war. Right. And then to do it again in 2018 at the Kennedy Center, um, which is where it was conceived. The idea of this production is that it's in a mausoleum. It starts as a monument to all the people that perished in World War One, And... Washington DC is a monument. I mean, it's filled with those monuments for Vietnam and World War II and you name it. Right. So doing it there was so profound in 2018, 100 years after the end of the war. But since then, the piece continues to have a life. And I think that it transcends historical facts and historical commemorations of all kinds because it captures friendships and camaraderie between enemies. And we need that now more than ever. I mean, opera has certainly been timeless from the first days. These stories, many of them are very, very old, and they get contemporary retellings and will forever, I hope. So yeah. this is just part of that canon now. We always like to ask our opera-related guests this very less serious question. Is there a story out there, real or fictional, that you feel like is yearning for an operatic treatment? So I'm obsessed with two stories right now. One is Driving Miss Daisy, which I think should be done into a chamber opera, and I'm working on it. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. I think that would be tremendous. It's such an operatic, beautiful story, and it takes place in Atlanta. It's very theatrical. Very theatrical. So that's number one. Number two, uh, and this is a recommendation for all the Netflix fans out there. There's a TV show called Shtisel, S-H-T-I-S-E-L. It's about conservative... Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem and their lives and their loves and their struggles. And it's one of the biggest hits that Netflix has. Uh, surprisingly, because who would know that a, a TV series about Orthodox Jews sequesters in, in Jerusalem is going to catch fire? And it did. Because it's a TV show that reminds me of uh, The Sopranos meet Ingmar Bergman. It's so deeply human and universal and i think it would make a great opera so if you're listening uh, listening out there uh, and you have netflix take a look at Stissel and figure out why i want to make an opera out of it you're speaking to me because this has been popping up in my queue a lot lately Watch so it. i will i will that's yeah. the only recommendation i need we have one more kind of fun question it's because of the name of the show we call ourselves the ghost light because it's about theaters and what goes on in theaters and i want to know tomer have you ever seen a ghost you've been in a lot of theaters in your life you know i've never really seen a ghost uh but i feel that the presence of the people that are not with us anymore is constantly in our lives even after they're gone and actually this piece silent night from all of the pieces that i've done is very personal to me uh, because in my time in the army in 1996 right before uh, i finished my army service um, we were caught in action. We were caught in a battle. And uh, my commander, Avi Maimon, uh, was killed. And uh, as a medic, I was there to treat him and try to save him. And we, we couldn't make it. And so this piece is dedicated to him. Every, everywhere I've done it, it was dedicated to him 
and to all the other people that are no longer with us. Well, I'll certainly be thinking of him when I see this premiere. Thank you so much for being with us on the Ghost Light Podcast. Yeah, Tomer, it's been really great to not only work with you in rehearsal, but also to get to hear your insights just face-to-face in this intimate setting. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe to the Ghost Light Podcast on Stitcher or iTunes. And if you are an iTunes user, please give us a rating. It helps us get new listeners. See you next week. The Ghost Light Podcast is produced and edited by Robert Bedont. Be sure to visit utahsymphony.org and utahopera.org for more information on upcoming performances. If you're not already a seasoned subscriber, click on the tickets button to learn more about the benefits of being a part of our family of music lovers. The Utah Symphony and Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation.